Good morning, Moore Tribe. Thank you for joining us again online. Sadly, some of our staff were exposed to this coronavirus, so in order to keep everyone safe, as best we know how, we are returning to online church for at least two weeks. Check our Facebook page or visit our website at ilovemore.org for updates on when we plan to open again. We still miss you all, and we pray health and peace over your families. We appreciate how greatly you have all supported the church through this time, and we ask that you continue to go online if you would like to give. We love you, we thank you, and in the meantime, we hope you enjoy worshiping with us today. Well, welcome, church. We didn't think we would be doing this again, but here we are back online. Um, we had a bump in the road last time we reconvened on June 21st, and we had several people have firsthand exposure to the virus, and we've actually had several of our leaders um, come down with a positive on the, on the virus. So that's a, that's a point of prayer, asking you to pray for uh, the leadership of our church. Uh, Wendy and I have been tested. We're both negative, but there are several uh, in our church leadership that have tested positive. So um, we're going to get through this time, and we're going to look to reconvene around July the 12th. And we hope we can do that, but we'll let you know as soon as we know. We're kind of uh, praying about it and looking at all the factors and trying to decide we just want to be safe and want to reconvene and not have to ever do this again. Um, well, this is the first Sunday of the month. It's July the 5th, and I want to say happy 4th of July to you. I hope you had a great one with your family and everything. Uh, but this is First Fruit Sunday, and so we're doing the same thing for this First Fruits this month that we did last month, and that is we're taking an offering for a garage for our van. Uh, we got about $3,500 last month, but that's not enough, and so we're going to collect this offering, offering a few more times and then see what we can get, uh, see what we can purchase for the money that we've collected. But that's something we really need to do, and we just ask you to give to that generously. We, I really do appreciate your faithful giving through this. I know that you, have, you need to go online, you need to do things. It's not like sitting in church and the baskets passed. And, and we appreciate the effort. We thank you for so many of you that have brought your tithe by or mailed it in or uh, even went on bank draft so we could just draft your account. That's just so great. Uh, we've been able to pay our staff and to keep everybody um, taken care of during this time. Um, well, I'm going to continue a series today on, it's called Undivided. And it's because our country is uh, so divided at this time. But before we uh, get into that, I really want us to pray and specifically pray for the sick in our body. There's several, and we need to pray that they fully recover. And then I just ask that you'd pray along with us, uh, the leadership, on when to resume and uh, how to do this safely so that we can have church and, and not ever back up again. So let's just uh, pray together. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this Sunday morning. I thank you for your word, God. I thank you that your spirit is here to teach and guide and lead us. And we thank you, God, that you're the God that heals. And so we're asking for divine healing on everyone in our church, Lord, and divine health and protection. I know, God, that you, you're, you, you cover us, God, with your favor. It says that your favor surrounds us like a shield. And so, God, we ask that that would be what would happen here, that no one else would become infected with this virus. And we just thank you, God, for your precious protection. And we ask now, God, that you would teach us, that your word would open up and it would be illuminated to us. And God, as, we share this, as I share this message this morning, God, I pray that you would speak to hearts all over the place and that people would be touched and your kingdom would be furthered because your word has been going forth. So thank you, God, for this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, like I said a minute ago, our, our country's really uh, divided right now. This racial tension that's in our country, it's, uh, you know, I've, I've lived long enough on the earth to say I've seen this before, you know. It's like uh, so many times in my lifetime I've seen uh, racial tension and, and uh, riots and protests, and it's like it keeps raising its ugly head. And, you know, if you're like me, you're going, well, why does this keep happening? And... Uh, you know, it, even since the 60s, I can remember vividly. You know, I don't know why it's happening, really, and that's why I've done a lot of research myself. Uh, I don't know why it's happening, so I've been asking a lot of questions and trying to listen to my 
brothers and sisters that may know more about this than I do. Um, but my question is, when's it going to be resolved? When are we finally going to get down the road and see this resolved? Uh, and how is it going to be resolved? Those are big questions to me, and I don't have the answers now. But I know one thing. It starts with listening. It starts with listening, not with talking. Uh, so many people want to be understood, but I think we should seek to understand before we seek to be understood. I think we really need to pay attention to what people have to say. Proverbs 12:15 says, fools think their own way is right, but the wise, they listen to others. And that's what we want to do. So I've asked another of our uh, members, one of our faithful members, another deacon in our church, uh, Carrie Luke, to come up and share his feelings, his heart, and his perspective on what's going on in this world. Um, uh, you know, Carrie is a great guy. He's so loved in this church. Everybody that knows Carrie loves him. He's just one of the most tender-hearted, kindest uh, men in the church. And so I just ask that you hear him prayerfully and listen to his heart. Carrie, come on up. You can imagine a big round of applause right now. Okay. Test, test, test. <laughs> A couple of weeks ago, I was contacted by Pastor Darrell to get my opinion on what's going on around the world with shooting of black men by police. Since I am a black man, you would not and could not understand what we have gone through as being a black human being, being if you are not black. Over the years, I have questioned myself on do I believe racial issues have gotten better? I truly thought about this, but in reality, I think my belief is that it's only getting worse. I think my personal belief is that all the cases started with the beating of Rodney King in 1991, the killing of Trayvon Martin in 2012, Breonna Taylor shot in her own home, Ahmaud Autry shot while jogging, George Floyd died of a knee on his neck. As a person in law enforcement, we were trained to never put a knee on anyone's neck. You place your knee in the middle of the back. In all these cases, my belief is that they were all murdered without cause. Now, do I, I do not condone any rioting, looting, burning down businesses that you may very well need in the future or killing of police officers. Now with me being in law enforcement, I am afraid for my own life. People are killing law enforcement not because of the color of their skin, but because of the uniform that they wear. As black communities across the country is getting sick and tired of police brutality. And now people are taking a stand against systemic injustice that has been pushed under the rug for way too long. Look at the Floyd case. This is a pandemic that has spread all around the world, just like the coronavirus. And I believe eyes are now being opened. I've been through a couple of racial issues, situations. One, while on an outing with friends at Lake Meredith, we were leaving, coming back through Fritch, Texas. I was pulled over by the local police when the officer approached my driver's side window and I asked, why was I being stopped for 
for the officer responded by saying that my car fit the description of a robbery that just had occurred. I became angry and I said, really? Because there was a car full of my friends and family, both black and white. At that point, I had to control myself for in fear that I might go to jail. Another instance, while out shopping at malls or grocery stores, I noticed their security guards follow me throughout the store thinking that I was going to steal something. That's the stigma of being black, that all we do is steal, rob, or just plain thugs. In a previous marriage, I went through some very difficult situations from one of our local churches that it was such a deep hurt that I thought of committing suicide. But I'll tell you, through the grace of God and standing on my faith, that God pulled me through that situation. In my current marriage, marriage, my love Susan, we have been through some trials with her dad now deceased. After 16 years of dating and nine years of marriage, this man hated me only because of the color of my skin and he disowned his daughter. Susan and I had several conversations about you can't help who you love, no matter the color, red, yellow, black, white, green, we're all the same in God's eyes. Instead of being angry at her father, I chose to love over hating him and praying for him all the time. You know, whenever I was born, I didn't ask to be black. But I thank God every day for who I am, a strong black man. We are hearing Black lives matter, but I believe all lives matter. In closing, Pastor Darrell asked me what he could say that would make a difference with racial issues. Without hesitation, the Holy Spirit quickened me. Pastor, you're already doing it. You're preaching love. And I believe that that's the only way we can combat racism if we all come together and love one another. Amen. Amen. Lastly, I want to be a part of the solution yes. and not a part of the problem. Amen. Thank you. I love you all. Amen. 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 Thank you, Kerry. What a great testimony. I, uh, I sure love that guy. I've known him for a long, long time, and he has a uh, tremendous testimony in this city, but he has been through some stuff, and uh, love he and Susan so much. And I admire the way Kerry has handled himself uh, through all of the trials that he's been through, and I know that I've been right there with him on several of them, and I have always admired the way that he he really genuinely loves people and genuinely prays and doesn't hold a grudge. Well, I'd said it was happy 4th of July, and, uh, you know, 4th of July, it's a holiday, you know, we, we celebrate every year. And it commemorates the uh, Declaration of Independence of the United States. And you, you're familiar with that document, I'm sure, and if you're not familiar with it completely, uh, I'm going to read a, one paragraph out of it, and I'm sure you'll notice, it, notice what it is right away, or you'll recognize it. It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that we're all endowed with, by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
Now, that's a great document. It's a really great document. But there's a few things in that, just that one little paragraph out of this declaration that I want to draw your attention to, and that is that these were the people that wrote this, they were, they were all white men, um, but they were all godly men. It says here several times through the Declaration of Independence, they referenced God, and they said, you know, that these, these rights that they're writing about, these, uh, these truths that are self-evident and that were endowed by our Creator, they're recognizing the uh, authority of God. So these were godly men. And they, they talk about something called unalienable rights. And those are rights that cannot be taken away. They're unable to be taken away. They said because they've been given by God, that no one can take them away from you, that everyone is equal before God, and everyone has been given these rights before God. And then they go on and explain what some of these rights are, and that is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Liberty, freedom. You know, when the 13 colonies made this declaration, they were saying they were no longer subject to Britain or King George III, his laws, their government. They were declaring themselves to be free, united, and independent states. Because the United States of America was founded on something that no other country, I guess, had ever done in the world. They were founded on equality and freedom for all people. Equality and freedom for all people. It, they were finally able to get to a new world, they said, and cast off the caste system that they had had to live under in Europe for so long. Something is said, if you were born a servant, you would always be a servant. If you were born, uh, you know, into uh, luxury, you would always live a life of luxury. There was just this caste system that whatever you were born into, that's what your destiny was. And they wanted to throw that off. They wanted to give an, a land of opportunity. That's what they call America, a land of opportunity that no matter what, what situation you're born into, whether you're born poor or rich or whatever, your life can be what you make it to be. It's something that the world had never seen. It was a melting pot. It was different nationalities, religions, races, all coming here to melt together into one nation, to form, form one nation with one common culture and one common purpose. The Declaration made a lot of great statements, but it also listed a lot of reasons that the colonies were going to break away from British rule. There's reasons, just one right after another after another. And if you read the Declaration of Independence, there's quite a number of these reasons. I just listed out a few of them here. But these reasons are, uh, I'll just read a few of them. For quartering large bodies of armed troops among us. For protecting them by mock trial from punishment from any murders which they should commit on the inhabitants of these states. For imposing taxes on us without our consent for depriving us, in many cases, of the benefits of trial by jury. They had listed all these complaints. And these complaints were listed out in the, the Declaration of Independence, one after another after another. And like I said, there's many more than this. I, you know, we learned all this in American history when we were in school, and I'm not trying to teach a history lesson here. But I wanted to draw your attention, because this message is called Undivided. This message is also called, All Men Are Created Equal. But I wanted to draw your attention to not just the ones that were put in the Declaration of Independence. I want to draw your attention to one that was in the Declaration of Independence originally, but was taken out. And it's this one. For violating its most sacred rights of life and liberty in the persons of distant people, capturing and carrying them to slavery in another hemisphere to, or incur a miserable death in their transportation. This was one of the complaints that many of the authors of the uh, Declaration of Independence wrote, yet it was removed. Why was it removed? Well, I think it's pretty clear. Even though there were many abolitionists that were uh, coming to the New World and they wanted to get rid of slavery, and in their mind, this new world that was going to be uh, all men created equal and everyone been given rights by God, that they really thought it reached all the way into every single class of person. They believed that slaves should no longer be slaves. You see, slavery didn't start in the United States. Slavery's been something that would, they, they imported it from Europe. Slavery's been on the earth for hundreds of years before the United States was around. And by that, I mean not just slaves, but African people being taken captive 
and moved into different parts of the world. I mean, all over the place. And so whenever they began in the new world and they began to create a nation at the United States of America, they had an opportunity to make this land truly a land of opportunity for every single person that would ever step foot on the soil. And whenever they were writing this Declaration of Independence, they had this opportunity, yet they pulled it out. They knew they were not going to extend these rights to the black community, to the black people that were enslaved in this country. We had a chance at the very beginning to do something right, to change things, to right the wrong of slavery, but they didn't do it. They couldn't bring themselves to extend this freedom in equal status to all men. Even though the Declaration clearly says all men are created equal, they couldn't extend it to all men. And when I say men, I mean mankind. But of course, we know women weren't included in this either. And so because of these things, because of some of these mistakes that have been made, we're reaping the result of some of these bad decisions at the beginning of our country. When Thomas Jefferson penned these words, all men created equal, he, he couldn't have possibly known that the African-American slaves that he even owned were questioning how their owners can consider themselves to be so noble in their own fight for independence from England while simultaneously believing that it was wrong for slaves to want to be free and independent. It was just so bizarre, but that's the way it ended up. Yes, the, the founding fathers, they made mistakes. And this particular mistake for a hundred years caused a lot of division in our country, a lot. So much division that it became apparent that there was going to be a war that had to be fought to, wrong the, to right this wrong. And the Civil War came. And tens of thousands of Americans died just to right the wrong that should have been done right at the very beginning. You know, and many mistakes have been made in our history in regard to the treatment of our black brothers and sisters. These mistakes have caused a lot of pain and undue hardship on black Americans. But even though these mistakes were made by our founding fathers, the document that they penned that day is amazing because contained in the Declaration of Independence is the answer to correcting any mistakes that our founding fathers could have made. Yes, it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. They are endowed by their creator with the certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And goes on to say that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. They went on to say that this, in this Declaration of Independence that these rights are guaranteed by this new government because the, the people have instituted this government to make sure that these rights are given to every person, that these opportunities are given to every person. The Declaration goes on and says that, whatever, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter and abolish it and to institute a new government laying its, laying its foundations on such principles and organizing its powers in such form. You hear what this is saying? This is strong language. The people that wrote this Declaration of Independence, they didn't realize that when they had neglected to extend it all the way to the, every American that was on, these so, on this soil, that they had already put in place something that would cause this wrong to be made right. They gave a responsibility to the American citizens that if we see anyone's rights being trampled, anyone not given these rights to be equal among all people, that we, have, uh, the people, the people of this country, have the responsibility to hold government accountable and to make sure that every single person in this country is treated justly and right. Yeah, the Civil, War, the Civil War, it was terrible, but it had to be fought because the Founding Fathers had written it into this declaration and they had said, you have a responsibility to right every wrong that the government ends up violating. And many American citizens rose up 
abolitionists for years fought, fought hard, and they were white abolitionists, many of them, to bring full freedom and full rights to the black community. And, you know, the, the war was fought, and there was an Emancipation Proclamation and the 13th Amendment, and, you know, slaves were finally free, or it became illegal to own, own people in this land, which, thank God. But after slavery was abolished, then we had to deal with Jim Crow laws, segregation laws. We dealt with that for 100 years. So it was 100 years from the time the Declaration of Independence was written until we had a civil war to straighten that out. And then from the time that the, the, the Emancipation, Emancipation Proclamation in the mid-1800s until Jim Crow laws were abolished was another 100 years. There's been so many mistakes made by leadership, so many laws that have passed to relegate people to second-class citizens. Jim Crow laws, the ones I grew up and saw firsthand. Segregation laws. Our own Supreme Court, they coined the phrase, separate but equal. I heard it all the time growing up. Separate but equal. Yeah, the black community is equal to the white community, but we want to keep them separate. And the, and, and the Supreme Court of the United States upheld that as a law. And so for 100 years, separate but equal was practice. They could go to school, but they had to be in separate schools. They could ride public transportation, but they had to sit at the back of the bus. They could use public facilities, but we had colored restrooms, colored water fountains, and colored swimming pools. That's what they were. That's what they said. I remember seeing the signs as a kid. And then not until 1967 could, it, could you even see a legal interracial marriage. In fact, many people were jailed during Jim Crow laws for mixed marriages, for what Kerry just testified about. Yeah, there's been lots of mistakes made. And our country is in an uproar at this time. You know, we have some citizens that feel that their rights have been trampled. And you know what? We have the responsibility as citizens of our country, and especially as children of God, to make sure that these rights are established for every single person that's in this, in our country. So what can we do? And that is a big question. What can you do? It seems so overwhelming. But I can tell you this, I lived through uh, the 60s, and I remember when the Civil Rights Bill was passed. I remember watching on TV those marches, and I remember the march at Selma. I remember those things and watching it on TV, and I remember that it wasn't all black people that were marching. It was black and white. It was our nation coming together to right a wrong that should have never been put in place. And that's what it's going to take today. It's going to take us eradicating every single way that people are not given equal opportunity in our country, to making sure that in our own hearts that we don't have one bit of this stuff left inside of us, each one of us. I'll tell you this, this people, this nation, has got to come together for things to change. Because divided, we're never going to change anything. It's only through unity that true change comes. And unity, in my opinion, and I think it's true in the past, if you look at history, unity starts in the church. Unity starts with the children of God. Unity starts in the church because we have a core value. All churches should have a core value of valuing people more than anything else. Jesus himself said, what does it gain if a man gains the whole world yet loses his own soul? And when he just told that short little uh, that short little parable there, that little rhetorical question, when he used that, what he did was he said that you can gain the whole world and it's not as valuable as one human soul. We have to come to the place where every single life matters and everyone is given full access to the liberty and the freedom and the equal opportunity that this land affords and we need to make sure that the citizens of this country have those opportunities because that's what we are called to do. Unity starts in the church. Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called the children of God. We are peacemakers. I don't know if you know this, but a peacemaker 
is a, children, is a child of God. If you want to know if you're really a child of God, if you want to know if you're born again, I've had people tell me they doubt their salvation. Well, just ask yourself, am I a peacemaker in my heart? Are you a peacemaker or are you a troublemaker? Because the truth is right now, for our nation to come together, for our churches to come together, we need to be peacemakers. Not peacekeepers, peacemakers. It's a big difference. You know, a peacekeeper is trying to just keep the peace. But a peacemaker can go into a volatile situation, into a bad situation, and they can bring peace because they're a peacemaker. And then James, we'll go back to the book of James that we were in for so many weeks during this pandemic. And in James chapter 3, verse 18, this, statement, this verse is so powerful. It says that when peacemakers plant seeds of peace, they're going to harvest justice. I don't know if you catch this, but without justice, there's no peace. And we as the children of God are the peacemakers. And we're to sow seeds of peace in our society that can bring forth justice that's needed for everyone in this society. I mean, if we want justice for all, then we need to learn to sow seeds of peace. What are the seeds of peace? And I'm going to give you three short ones. I'm sure there's probably a hundred. But these three come to my mind, and I think they're very important for us as the church. You know, in social media, we've got a platform now to reach people all over the place. You know, people that never had a voice before have voices. There's people that are influencers, people that are on Instagram doing it. I mean, it's so funny how through TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and so many ways, people have a platform. And so I'm asking you to use your platform to be a peacemaker, to use your platform to sow seeds of peace. Don't be a troublemaker. Be a peacemaker. Peacemakers, they have authority. You have authority given to you by God to bring peace during a troubled time. And we are in a troubled time. So what is a peacemaker? Number one, when you make peace, it doesn't mean you avoid the problem. You see, a lot of people think, well, I'm just going to keep peace. I'm going to avoid the problem. And they, they give in on every argument and they, they avoid people and they don't talk to people because they don't want to have an argument. That is not peace. Avoiding the argument is not peace. I'll tell you this, the number one thing we need to do as peacemakers, as children of God, is own the problem. It's a real problem. This is not a black person's problem. This is a United States of America citizen's problem. We, if we have issues in our country where people aren't given full access to the rights that they have been born into, then we got a problem. And it's not just a black problem. It's our problem. We, can't, we have to own the problem and not avoid it. It's our responsibility as a citizen of this country. Our government is to be of the people and for the people. It's not to be a government of the Democrat Party or the Republican Party or for the Democrat or the Republican Party. I would say this in this particular deal. When you own a problem, you have to know that your vote counts and you need to be an informed voter. Stop voting for parties, vote for people, and character matters. You know, what they really believe matters. And vote for people, and then, and then try to hold them accountable. They're here, they're, they go up there to represent you, not to represent a party. And we've allowed this thing to go way too far, and, and we, need to, we need to own the problem and realize that we have the power to change it. Number two, peacemakers, they don't ignore ugly truth. You know, I've done a lot of research, and I've, I've, I've found a lot of interesting stuff, and I found a lot of stuff that made me really, really sad. Um, I, I found things about the church and the way it has been a partner in this racism that's gone on in our country for so many years. It, it breaks my heart. But I can tell you this, if I'm truly a peacemaker, I do not ignore the ugly truth. I expose it. Because the only way things get healed is if they're exposed to light. And that's what we're here to do. Peacemakers don't ignore ugly truth. They fix it. They expose it. And then I'm just going to tell you this. And once you know the truth, you speak the truth, but without being an antagonist. You know, being there to antagonize people or to win every argument, you know, or to beat people down and make them believe like you, we know this is not God's way. A peacemaker, they know the truth, they speak the truth, 
but they avoid antagonizing people. I'm going to say, learn the truth before you make up your mind. So many people think they know the truth because they heard it on something or they heard someone else say it. Do some research. Do your own research before you make up your mind. And then tell the truth. Ephesians 4.15. Love should always make us tell the truth. Wow. The love of God that's in our heart should always compel us to be truthful and honest people. So, peacemakers don't avoid the problem. Peacemakers don't ignore ugly truth. They expose it. And number three, when you're listening to people and they're telling their side, sometimes you just don't need to listen to the words or even the emotion, but you need to listen to the hurt that's in their heart. And I hope that when you've heard these testimonies from both Carrie and Camelia last week, um, that you heard their heart. There was a lot of hurt there. There was a lot of hurt behind the words even. We're called to be peacemakers. We're called to be full of mercy. Proverbs 17, 9 says, Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on a fault, dwelling on a mistake, separates close friends. Yeah, there's been a lot of mistakes made in the history of our country, but dwelling on those mistakes and not forgiving them and not looking to, to um, move forward, it only separates people. It doesn't bring us together. You know, we know mistakes were made, and we know that people have tried to correct those mistakes. We still know that there's a long ways to go, but I can tell you this, we're only going to do it if we do it together. A good rule of thumb is to treat others the way God treats you. And God is so merciful to you. He's so kind to you and so understanding. He gives you chance after chance after chance. He just loves us through it all. There's never going to be any progress in our, any of our relationships, whether it's in the church or in the country or anywhere, if we dwell on each other's faults. So in closing, I just want to give you some things that I want you to do. I really, really am asking you to pray for your country. I may have shared this before, but I put on a little alarm on my phone, and at 8 p.m. every evening it goes off. And I just spend a minute just lifting up our leaders, lifting up our nation. And I try to, it's a reminder for me to do it every single day. I'm asking you to pray. Pray for our nation. We need it. And then I want you to pray and then I want you to listen. You know, so many people, they just pray and petition, but they never really listen to the voice of God. You know, if you, if you pray and then you listen, what you're going to hear is how God's going to be speaking to you on how you can make a difference, how you can bring peace into your world and into your home. Listen to other people. Listen to other people. And then be an encourager. Don't be, don't be a troublemaker. Don't be, a, don't be the one that has to win every argument. Be an encourager. And then finally, I'm going to say, you know, there's a lot of ways we can get involved. Um, there's a lot of times that um, there's protests that are organized and, and people put out invitations for people to walk uh, with their brothers and sisters in the Lord and, and to stand up for what's right in our nation. I'm just going to say, you know, we need to get involved in these things. We need to march. We need to share. We need to speak the truth in love. And if you're given an opportunity to speak, uh, the Bible tells us that we should be prepared in season and out. Those, those uh, opportunities to let your voice be heard should be opportunities for the truth that God's put in your heart to come forth. So let's own this problem, and then let's make a commitment together to do it God's way, to bring peace and unity to our land and to bring solutions and not problems to the table. So pray with me if you would. I want to pray. I feel an unction really just to pray too for any of you that are sick out there. Um, it, it's encouraged me that I've, I've heard of a, a lot of, even in the midst of this pandemic, even in the midst of so many people being ill, that I've, I've heard testimonies of people being healed just in the last couple of weeks. And I just want to say that God's, uh, God's beginning to break into this thing. 
You know, the pandemic has been terrible. The devil has really, really uh, just caused a lot of destruction. But I can tell you this, that we're right on the verge of God breaking in and us seeing something we haven't seen maybe in our whole life. And so I just want you to believe with me on that. And if you need physical healing today, I want you just to, just to believe for it, that the Father, he wants to bring healing right into your home, right into your life right now. I don't care what's going on in your body. Maybe you're emotionally, you need, you need healing. I, I pray that right now that God would heal your body, heal your mind, heal your body, heal your mind. I don't know what it is, but I ask God that your spirit would just flood to whoever's watching this and that you would just fill their heart and their home with your presence and it would be so strong, it would be overwhelming. And if, if you don't really know the Lord today, I just, invited you, I just invite you just to open your heart to him and say, God, I want you. I want to be a child of God. Maybe you, in hearing that, that peacemakers are children of God, maybe you realize that you really aren't a peacemaker, that you really do have so much anger and agitation in your heart. Just ask God to come in and to change your heart and to live with you. He will truly make your heart a heart of love and a heart of peace. And you can be part of the solution in our world. So thank you. God bless you. I hope you have a great week and I hope we're together soon. See you. Pour out your love on everyone. God, that's the banner that you have over us already. And I just pray, Lord, that we would feel it, that we would know it, and that we would stand in that promise. And we love you so much. And we just worship you right now. table.
goes on forever Your love will so Love it is our honor
Never be thrown 